Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm delighted here to be sitting here with Axel, Axel Borter. Uh, Axel and I, we've been, we've known one another for what now? How long is it? 2007, 2008, I think probably. I was in South Garden with you. So uh, some time. Yeah, ha happy to be here, John. And I think it's quite a quite a long friendship that we have. I have enjoyed yeah. it so far. Thank you for having me at this conference. No, it's a, a real pleasure for you to find the time to, to talk to us today. And, and where, are, where are you at the moment? So I currently live in uh, Linköping, which is a sort of a city around 100,000 people that is in between Stockholm and Gothenburg in, in the middle of Sweden. Okay, so it's what, um, coming up for midsummer in a uh, big festival for you in uh, Sweden. You always yeah. celebrate midsummer. We don't do that in the UK. Perhaps, perhaps we'll start a tradition, you know. Yeah, and, I, I um, <laughs> Sorry. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, so you've got really you've got these really long days now. So I mean, it's it's light here now. It's what time is it here? It's uh, eight thirty. It's still very light here. But you will go on till eleven o'clock or something. Yeah, I was up with some friends. We have a cabin in the north of Sweden last uh, last weekend, and uh, it never got dark basically. No, no, no. no, no that was a shock to me when I moved yeah. out there to work with you. That. Uh, it never got dark and by the time it got to May it was so hard to sleep because yeah. it was light all of the time. Okay. But it's nice. I think we deserve it since everyone has to go into hibernation for the rest of the month. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely yeah. right. Okay. So um so tell us a bit about you then, Axel. So what are you doing now at the moment? So sorry, I'll ask a rude question. So how old are you now? Yeah, so uh as John said, my name is Axel Borte. I am 23 years old and I'm currently working in the systems engineering management for the Gryphon EF fighter aircraft uh, at Saab, which is the biggest aerospace uh, company in Sweden and one of the few uh, companies in the world that build fighter jets and design them. And what does that work mean on a day-to-day basis? So, Yeah, so, so as I said, I work in the systems engineering management and we are basically in charge of, of coordinating all research and development departments, both in the technical aspect, but also from a project management aspect. So we are basically the link between, we have a contractual commercial side and then we have a research side and it's sort of tailorizing the contracts that we have uh, and adapting them to sort of strategic development plans and then leading the, the operational work and ensuring that all departments are sort of developing stuff in the right order. A fighter aircraft is very, very complex with a lot of systems that have to be integrated simultaneously and they obviously have to work together. So a lot of the day-to-day -day work is basically coordinating that between the different departments. So teamwork's really, really important in this in this sort of area? Yeah, it, it's it's super, super important. I think if you, if you if you've ever seen a fighter jet, it's very, very clean on the outside, but if you open a panel or if you see if you sort of in a computer generated model, just take away all the structure. So you only have the cables, the hydraulic wires, the computers left. There's basically no difference because it's so cramped, cramped inside the, the fuselage. Uh, so, so there's a lot, a lot of integration to, to fit everything and all the systems into this tiny aircraft. Okay, so have you had the chance to get in one and fly? No, unfortunately not yet. Uh, I do know our test pilots, so I'm, uh, I'm working them uh, once, once every week, maybe I'm making a bit of progress, but I have been fortunate enough to fly a lot in, the, in our simulator since previously I worked with the flight control system and the verification of the flight control system. 
So that entailed a lot of time in the simulators that we have, which is obviously great fun. Yeah. So I remember you arriving um, at Kunstkapskol in Salchivan as a sort of smallish boy. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a year younger, I think, than everybody yeah. else uh, that was there. So, I mean, you're still only 23. So, but uh, just chart for me briefly, sort of the journey that you've made from there to, to where you are now. Yeah, so, so I've been very fortunate enough to have a, a very supportive, uh, both parents and teachers throughout my school years that have enabled me to sort of accelerate through the years a little quicker than maybe what is what is normal. Uh, and it actually started with, with uh, me sort of exploring actually the British curriculum, because when I was eight years old, we moved to Germany for, uh, so I was in first grade in Sweden then. We moved to Germany for three years since my mom got a job there. And I was fortunate enough to, to go to a British school, international school. Uh, and in, in Britain, compared to Sweden, you start with year one, one year earlier. Uh, so I, I started with my peers. So when I got back to Sweden, I was, I was one year ahead of my, of my peers or the people that were the same age in, in Sweden. Uh, and I started at, at sort of my, my closest uh, public school and uh, got a shock about sort of the low, low tempo and the quite, quite easy exercises, I, I thought. But the teacher, they didn't really challenge me there. Uh, but my mom, and this was in, in year five, she, she saw um, an article in the newspaper regarding a new school that was opening in Salkebaden, which was close to, to where I live, which was Kunskop School and then, where, where you were the head teacher, John, at that time. Yeah. And there was an especial, special focus on both um, maths, physics, chemistry, and biology, which was for the, the sciences that, that I loved, and especially maths at that time. Uh, but the other thing that really intrigued me was that the learning was personalized and that everyone could work at their, their, own, their own pace. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to start in sixth grade at, at Kunskop School uh, And I really, really enjoyed it, the personalized learning. And I, was, uh, I was, enjoyed competing in sports a lot at that time as well. I'm, I'm a swimmer. Uh, and the way that the curriculum was set up with the steps and with the clear goals that you had to achieve and that you could plan your own education. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. So I was fortunate enough to be able to work um, a little quicker at, at my own pace. So in year eight, I was done with year nine, which is the last grade before, uh, before you go to high school in, in Sweden. So um, then I, I was able to skip one, one more year at school. Uh, and after that, I started the high school also in the Kunskapsskolan, but it's called Kunskapsgymnasiet in, uh, in Sweden, and also got the same support from, from the teachers there. And I had done a lot of the maths and physics, so I could do the gymnasiet, as it's called in Sweden, in, in two years instead of three years. So I ended up take, graduating from, from high school at, at age 15 instead of age 18 or 19, as is usually so, that's a, so that's sort of like three years ahead of where you would expect to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so so yeah, it's it's been quite a quite a special journey, and and I mean it wouldn't have been possible 
uh, without the encouragement from, from all the teachers and also the personalized learning at Kunskapsskolan that both enable you to academically be at your level, but still emphasize the importance of, of socializing with both the people that were younger, the same age as you, and the, and the people that were, were older than you. Yeah. And it's not, it's not always about going faster, is it? Because I think, you know, we found that things to do that were broader. So the astronomy stuff and all of that was sort of ways that you could stretch rather than necessarily race. And I remember one conversation where you were so far ahead of maths and I think you decided that you just slow down a bit on that because you'd do something different mm. rather than necessarily race the pace forward. So yeah, I think, amazing. I think that is, uh, I, I've met quite a few, few people that are really, really good at maths. And I think that is quite common to see that that people truly excel in, in maths, but they have maybe a hard time with, with more of the social sciences or, or languages and that kind of stuff. But I think the education at Tuskofun, as you said, and also my mentor at the time, Alicia, which, which I still remember, who was, who was a great, great teacher. We had such great discussions regarding not only developing in maths, but developing and preparing for, for a career after work already in, in secondary school. So instead of doing maybe maths four or five years ahead, I, I took another language and took both Spanish and German, which, which was also a possibility at, at Kunskapsskolan. And I think that, as you, you say, sort of widening the perspectives and not just focusing on, on just one subject, I think was really, really important for, for um, sort of succeeding at university and later on at, in, in sort of professional life as well. Okay, so you then went on to Koti Hall, or yeah. what, if I translate, it's a lot of Royal Technical University? Yeah, the, Ro the Royal Institute of Technology. Okay, Scotland. and so you, you did a degree, and then I think you've gone on and done a master since then, is that right? Yeah, so, so we actually have a program in, in Sweden, which is called Civil Ingenieur, which basically translates to civil engineer, which, which is not what you call, what, which is not a civil engineer, as you know it in in Britain, <laughs> but but it's a five-year program that is both a bachelor and a master. So when you get in, you're guaranteed five years in university. Um, so I first did a the whole program and the bachelor was in engineering physics. And then I did my master thesis in aerospace engineering. Okay, great. So a lot of people ask me, so what happens uh, is for students who come out of that, that approach at Kunskapskolen to university? So what do you reflect about how well prepared you were for university compared to other other students from a more traditional background yeah i think i think i've i've reflected more and more about that and i think that's true both for university and for going to a company and working later on that that you learn to structure your time and you learn to set goals for yourself and obviously in the beginning when you're 11 12 years old you get good help from from your mentors and from your teachers but to acquire those skills early to sort of take charge of your own learning, I think was really important that university and also especially sort of in project management roles later on, uh, because at university, as all of you know, you just, uh, you have your lectures, you maybe have some seminars, you have some exercise classes, but it's all about planning your own uh, your own study time for for succeeding and and the help from Kunskapsskolan to to structure that I think was was really really beneficial to to have a quite easy time through through university at least. Right. So so now to the big question. So you have in front of you, or you will have when we show this, yeah. uh, many head teachers and uh, senior staff from schools. 
And one of the things uh, I've asked you to think about, could you think of two things you'd like to say, uh, looking at the future, that it's really important for us to think about? Yeah. So, um, so, so the first thing I would, I would want to encourage you all about is to, to really take this personalized learning and, and embrace it. I think it's, it's really important. We, we talked a lot about broadening and now, which, which I think is good, but to give people the opportunity to excel at what they are good at, I think is really, really important. We talked a lot about strengthening your weaknesses, but I think it's equally important to strengthen your, your strengths and sort of lift out the best from every student because everyone has different dreams. And I think the purpose of teachers and head teachers is to, to enable those uh, and make those dreams a reality independently if someone wants to become an artist or if someone wants to become a scientist. And with the more and more digital tools that we have nowadays, I think it's easier to have curriculums and schools where you really, really can create the best out of every student. Okay, and your second one? I'm going to come back to that one, but the second yeah. one. Yeah, so, um, so, so this, the second one is, is really about, I've seen and a lot of discussions that we have at work now, it's, it's the digitalization, as you all know, uh, which is aerospace is sort of quite a conservative uh, field of work. We have a lot of regulations, both from authorities and from our customers. But we, see st we still see an, an increased focus in software and in um, sort of agile development, greatly inspired by all the tech companies who you know are some of the biggest companies in the world nowadays, Facebook, Google, Amazon. And, and we see this need to reskill a lot of our workforce who have traditionally more worked with maybe mechanical engineering or uh, const construction, which, but we need now more focus in, in for example, programming. And, and in a word, world that gets more and more connected and digitalized, I think the knowledge how you reskill and that you give people not just hard facts in school, but you give them the tools so they can learn on their own, I think is really, really important for, for um, successful schools in the future and, and to really create problem solvers, not just people who know all capitals in Africa. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Just go back to the first one then, because uh, I did some work um, a number of years ago, before I came to Salchabarden actually, yeah. where they were introducing some new uh, sector, industry sector qualifications mm -hmm. uh, called diplomas. And uh, it was really interesting to me that um, I was training people from colleges and schools who were leading in engineering, IT and the rest. But when I took them into the workplace yeah. um, to see what it was really like to work on a building site or in an engineering company, many of the teachers had no idea that actually it operated yeah. like it did. Mm. It was a shock to them. Mm. So I think it was interesting what you said about, you know, they need to have to excel at something, but I also think they probably need to we need to find ways as a profession of bringing reality to what the job actually is when you're out there. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Axel. That was brilliant. Uh, and uh, it, again, great to hear your story. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, John, for, for speaking to you. And take care.
Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm delighted here to be sitting here with Axel, Axel Borter. Uh, Axel and I, we've been, we've known one another for what now? How long is it? 2007, 2008, I think probably. I was in South Garden with you. So uh, some time. Yeah, ha happy to be here, John. And I think it's quite a quite a long friendship that we have. I have enjoyed yeah. it so far. Thank you for having me at this conference. No, it's a, a real pleasure for you to find the time to, to talk to us today. And, and where are where are you at the moment? So I currently live in uh, Linköping, which is a sort of a city around 100,000 people that is in between Stockholm and Gothenburg, in, in the middle of Sweden. Okay, so it's what um, coming up for midsummer in a uh, big festival for you in uh, Sweden. You always yeah. celebrate midsummer. We don't do that in the UK. Perhaps perhaps we'll start a tradition. You know. Yeah. And I, I um, <laughs> sorry. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, so you've got really you've got these really long days now. So I mean, it's it's light here now. It's what time is it here? It's uh, eight thirty. It's still very light here. But you will go on till eleven o'clock or something. Yeah, I was up with some friends. We have a cabin in the north of Sweden last uh, last weekend, and uh, it never got dark basically. No, no, no. no and that was a shock to me when I moved out there to work with you. That. Uh, it never got dark and by the time it got to may it was so hard to sleep because yeah. it was light all of the time okay but it's nice i think we deserve it since everyone has to go into hibernation for the rest of the month <laughs> yes. of you're absolutely yeah. right okay so um tell us a bit about you then axel so what are you doing now at the moment so sorry i'll ask a rude question so how old are you now yeah so uh as john said my name is axel Borte. i am 23 years old and i'm currently working in the systems engineering management for the Gryphon EF fighter aircraft uh, at Saab, which is the biggest aerospace uh, company in Sweden and one of the few uh, companies in the world that build fighter jets and design them. And what does that work mean on a day-to-day basis? So, Yeah, so, so as I said, I work in the systems engineering management and we are basically in charge of, of coordinating all research and development departments, both in the technical aspect, but also from a project management aspect. So we are basically the link between, we have a contractual commercial side and then we have a research side and it's sort of tailorizing the contracts that we have uh, and adapting them to sort of strategic development plans and then leading the, the operational work and ensuring that all departments are sort of developing stuff in the right order. A fighter aircraft is very, very complex with a lot of systems that have to be integrated simultaneously and they obviously have to work together. So a lot of the day-to-day -day work is basically coordinating that between the different departments. So teamwork's really, really important in this in this sort of area? Yeah, it, it's it's super, super important. I think if you, if you if you've ever seen a fighter jet, it's very, very clean on the outside, but if you open a panel or if you see if you sort of in a computer generated model, just take away all the structure. So you only have the cables, the hydraulic wires, the computers left. There's basically no difference because it's so cramped, cramped inside the, the fuselage. Uh, so, so there's a lot, a lot of integration to, to fit everything and all the systems into this tiny aircraft. Okay, so have you had the chance to get in one and fly? No, unfortunately not yet. Uh, I do know our test pilots, so I'm, uh, I'm working them uh, once, once every week, maybe I'm making a bit of progress, but I have been fortunate enough to fly a lot in, the, in our simulator since previously I worked with the flight control system and the verification of the flight control system. 
So that entailed a lot of time in the simulators that we have, which is obviously great fun. Yeah. So I remember you arriving um, at Kunstkapskol in Salchivan as a sort of smallish boy. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a year younger, I think, than everybody yeah. else uh, that was there. So, I mean, you're still only 23. So, but uh, just chart for me briefly, sort of the journey that you've made from there to, to where you are now. Yeah, so, so I've been very fortunate enough to have a, a very supportive, uh, both parents and teachers throughout my school years that have enabled me to sort of accelerate through the years a little quicker than maybe what is what is normal. Uh, and it actually started with, with uh, me sort of exploring actually the British curriculum, because when I was eight years old, we moved to Germany for, uh, so I was in first grade in Sweden then. We moved to Germany for three years since my mom got a job there. And I was fortunate enough to, to go to a British school, international school. Uh, and in, in Britain, compared to Sweden, you start with year one, one year earlier. Uh, so I, I started with my peers. So when I got back to Sweden, I was, I was one year ahead of my, of my peers or the people that were the same age in, in Sweden. Uh, and I started at, at sort of my, my closest uh, public school and uh, got a shock about sort of the low, low tempo and the quite, quite easy exercises, I, I thought. But the teacher, they didn't really challenge me there. Um, but my mom, and this was in, in year five, she, she saw um, an article in the newspaper regarding a new school that was opening in Salkebaden, was close to to where I live, which was Kunskop School, and then where where you were the head teacher, John, at that time. Yeah. And there was an special special focus on both um, maths, physics, chemistry, and biology, which was for the the sciences that, that I loved, and especially maths at that time. Uh, but the other thing that really intrigued me was that the learning was personalized, and that everyone could work at their their own their own pace. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to start in sixth grade at, at Kunskop School now. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed it, the personalized learning. And I was, uh, I was enjoyed competing in sports a lot at that time as well. I'm, I'm a swimmer. Um, and the way that the curriculum was set up with the steps and with the clear goals that you had to achieve and that you could plan your own education, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. So I was fortunate enough to be able to work um, a little quicker at, at my own pace. So in year eight, I was done with year nine, which is the last grade before, uh, before you go to high school in, in Sweden. So um, then I, I was able to skip one, one more year at school. Uh, and after that, I started the high school also in the Kunskapsskola, but it's called Kunskapsgymnasiet in, uh, in Sweden, and also got the same support from, from the teachers there. And I had done a lot of the maths and physics, so I could do the gymnasiet, as it's called in Sweden, in, in two years instead of three years. So I ended up take, graduating from, from high school at, at age 15 instead of age 18 or 19, as is usually so, that's a, so that's sort of like three years ahead of where you would expect to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it's it's been quite a quite a special journey, and and I mean it wouldn't have been possible 
without the encouragement from from all the teachers and also the personalized learning at Kunskapsskolan that both enable you to academically be at your level but still emphasize the importance of of socializing with both the people that were younger, the same age as you, and the and the people that were were older than you. And it's not it's not always about going faster, is it? Because I think you know we found that things to do that were broader. So the astronomy stuff and all of that was sort of ways that you could stretch rather than necessarily race. And I remember one conversation where you were so far ahead of maths, and I think you decided you just slow down a bit on that because you do something different mm. rather than necessarily race the pace forward so yeah i think amazing. i think that is uh, i i've met quite a few few people that are really really good at maths and i think that is quite common to see that that people truly excel in in maths but they have maybe a hard time with with more the social sciences or or languages and that kind of stuff but i think the education at from as you said and also my mentor at the time, Alicia, which which I still remember, who was who was a great great teacher. We had such great discussions regarding not only developing in maths, but developing and preparing for for a career after work already and in secondary school. So instead of doing maybe maths four or five years ahead, I I took another language and took both Spanish and German, which which was also a possibility at at Kunskapsskola. And I think that as you, you say, sort of widening the perspectives and not just focusing on, on just one subject, I think was really, really important for, for um, sort of succeeding at university and later on at, in, in sort of professional life as well. Okay, so you then went on to Koti Hall, or what, yeah. if I translate, it's a lot of Royal Technical University? Yeah, the, Ro the Royal Institute of Technology. Okay, well. and so you, you did a degree and then I think you've gone on and done a master since then, is that right? Yeah, so so we actually have a program in, in Sweden, which is called Civil Ingenieur, which basically translates to civil engineer, which which is not what you call what which is not a civil engineer, as you know it in in Britain, <laughs> but but it's a five year program that is both a bachelor and a master. So when you get in, you're guaranteed five years in university. Um, so I first did a the whole program and the bachelor was in engineering physics, and then I did my master thesis in aerospace engineering. Okay, great. So a lot of people ask me, so what happens uh, is for students who come out of that, that approach at Kunskapskolen to university? So what, do you reflect about how well prepared you were for university compared to other, other students from a more traditional background? Yeah, I think, I think I've, I've reflected more and more about that. And I think that's true both for university and for going to a company and working later on that that you learn to structure your time and you learn to set goals for yourself. And obviously in the beginning, when you're 11, 12 years old, you get good help from, from your mentors and from your teachers, but to acquire those skills early to sort of take charge of your own learning, I think was really important that university and also especially sort of in project management roles later on, uh, because at university, as all of you know, you just, uh, you have your lectures, you maybe have some seminars, you have some exercise classes, but it's all about planning your own, uh, your own study time for, for succeeding and, and the help from Kunskapsskolan to, to structure that I think was, was really, really beneficial to, to have a quite easy time through, through university at least. Right, so, so now to the big question. So you have in front of you, or you will have when we show this, yeah. uh, many head teachers and uh, senior staff from schools. 
And one of the things uh, I've asked you to think about, could you think of two things you'd like to say, uh, looking at the future, that it's really important for us to think about? Yeah. So, um, so, so the first thing I would, I would want to encourage you all about is to, to really take this personalized learning and, and embrace it. I think it's, it's really important. We, we talked a lot about broadening and now, which, which I think is good, but to give people the opportunity to excel at what they are good at, I think is really, really important. We talked a lot about strengthening your weaknesses, but I think it's equally important to strengthen your, your strengths and sort of lift out the best from every student because everyone has different dreams. And I think the purpose of teachers and head teachers is to, to enable those uh, and make those dreams a reality independently if someone wants to become an artist or if someone wants to become a scientist. And with the more and more digital tools that we have nowadays, I think it's easier to have curriculums and schools where you really, really can create the best out of every student. Great. Okay, and your second one? I'm going to come back to that one, but the second yeah. one. Yeah. So, um, so, so this, the second one is, is really about, I've seen and a lot of discussions that we have at work now, it's, it's the digitalization, as you all know, uh, which is aerospace is sort of quite a conservative uh, field of work. We have a lot of regulations, both from authorities and from our customers, but we, see st we still see an, an increased focus in software and in um, sort of agile development, greatly inspired by all the tech companies who you know are some of the biggest companies in the world nowadays, Facebook, Google, Amazon. And, and we see this need to reskill a lot of our workforce who have traditionally more worked with maybe mechanical engineering or uh, const construction, which, but we need now more focus in, in for example, programming. And, and in a word, world that gets more and more connected and digitalized, I think, the knowledge how you reskill and that you give people not just hard facts in school but you give them the tools so they can learn on their own i think is really really important for for um, successful schools in the future and and to really create problem solvers not just people who know all capitals in africa Okay, thank you. Just go back to the first one then, because uh, I did some work um, a number of years ago, before I came to Salchabarden actually, yeah. where they were introducing some new uh, sector, industry sector qualifications mm -hmm. uh, called diplomas. And uh, it was really interesting to me that um, I was training people from colleges and schools who were leading in engineering, IT and the rest. But when I took them into the workplace, yeah. Um, to see what it was really like to work on a building site or in an engineering company, many of the teachers had no idea that actually it operated no. like it did. Mm. It was a shock to them. Mm. So I think it was interesting what you said about, you know, they need to have to excel at something, but I also think they probably need to, we need to find ways as a profession of bringing reality to what the job actually is when you're out there. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Axel, that was brilliant. Uh, and uh, it, again, great to hear your story. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, John, for, for speaking to you and take care.